On this episode of Cougar Insiders Podcast, we're going to do our predictions. We're going to give you our prognostications, uh, not only on the season, but on this big game against uh, Arizona and BYU on the road in Tucson. We're going to talk about the quarterback situation, that decision, and break that down for you. We'll give you a little recruiting news, and then we're going to talk about a couple of other things, including possibly NCAA sanctions on BYU in October or November. And we're going to ask the question, will Kalani Sataki keep his job if he wins only four games? All on this episode of Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point, a beautiful golf course here at the Point of the Mountain. And with me is Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We work for the Deseret News, and we've been doing this quite a while, and it's a lot of fun to be with you guys. Uh, this week, we're going to talk right off the bat about the quarterbacks. There was a decision made. It came out a little bit unexpectedly on a Friday afternoon. That's kind of when... In Washington, D.C., they announced things yeah. on Friday afternoon, and they just pop it out. What was it, about 5, 5.30? After 5, yeah. yeah Jeff, I was driving to the East Bingham game. I, I didn't believe it. came over the radio. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's coming now? So then everybody has to kind of go back to work, yeah. and so we, we did that. But they we had an opportunity to talk to Kalani Satake uh, on Monday and also Tanner Magnum, and I got the feeling uh, in just hearing them talk, Jeff Call. That this, they kind of take a, uh, it was, I don't want to use the word reverent, but there was kind of a somber, respectful feeling about talking about this position and the decision made and why they made it the way they did and uh, giving credit to Tanner for what he's been through. I, I think the tone that was set was, was kind of remarkable. Yeah, I think uh, if you look back at the last several months, I think uh, Tanner's a guy that they were hoping would step forward because. He has the experience because um, of what he's accomplished at BYU, because of the things he's had to do. I think they want to give him every opportunity to earn that starting job, and apparently he's done that. And so, you know, he's in a position now where I think he's uh, much different from where he was last year. He had to fight for his job. He had to earn it. Uh, I think he's really grateful for this opportunity, and I think he's excited to go show what he, what he can do and to kind of redeem himself from last year. I mean, he admitted yesterday that, Last year wasn't a very good performance by him, and he's been through a lot. I mean, that Achilles injury is uh, pretty brutal. It takes a lot to come back from that. So now he's in a different situation. He's a, a senior, and I think he's hungry and ready to go. Jeff, do you think they knew about who, the, what they're going to do, and how they're going to do it a week or so uh, before, or did this go right down to the wire last week? Because it seems like there were indications that it would be Tanner, uh, the way that they were coming out and the way that they were playing, who got the first reps. And things like that. And then the answers that we got were like, you know, we're not going to say to you guys, but we know what we're doing. We kind of have an idea of what we're doing. Yeah, I think the last week or so of camp, I think if you went to practice and you listened to the interviews and talked to people, that's the sense you got that it was Tanner's job. But they were just kind of waiting. And then, of course, Kalani said yesterday that they wanted to make sure they get through that final scrimmage last Thursday, which they did. And then Friday morning, uh, Tanner got that phone call from Aaron Roderick telling him, you're the man, and uh, go from there. So, Brandon Gurney, do you think one of the things that they wanted to do with this quarterback situation is to put Tanner Magnum in a situation where he was pressed, he was challenged, 
he he had to he had to really be motivated to show that he cared about this enough that he was going to do X, Y, and Z because it seemed the way it played out. Bringing in a freshman, giving him a lot of respect, letting people see what he could do, talking about him, praising him, giving him open media uh, attention, which just hasn't been happening to a lot of freshmen for a long, long time. But do you think that they were pressing Tanner's buttons? for the past four months. Absolutely, and I, I don't think they really had to stage that or manufacture that. I just think Zach Wilson is good. He, he's a guy that changed his commitment from Boise State, a guy that they really wanted, and he's really pushed Tanner. I think where Tanner's probably separated himself is this last week where they start to install everything, where he's seeing the full breath of the defense. He's seeing everything. He's making real actual game calls. It's not just throwing the football. It's managing and all that. I think that's where he really separated himself from Zach Wilson, which is what you'd expect from a senior quarterback, and I think it's potentially a great story. Everything Tanner's been through, how big of a recruit he was to start off like he did and then just kind of take a nosedive where he's not even a factor. People, I mean, go back to spring. Did we even think he'd be a factor? Do people really think that Tanner Mangum could feasibly be the starting quarterback? I really questioned that. And when I heard, when they just presented himself as kind of the front one, I'm like, oh, maybe that's just stage and all that. But to overcome that and be, and, and to push through that and all that and to rise, for a senior year, it's a great story in the making, and, I, and I, I'm hoping Tanner finishes strong. He's a nice kid. He's been through a lot, and we'll see how it works out. Well, one thing when we noticed in practice last Friday and, and when we, we last saw availability, it looked like he was taking charge. He was he was uh, using a uh, kind of a speed-up offense and a two-minute drill and uh, calling people to the line of scrimmage, trying to be more of a presence in the huddle, all those kind of things, showing leadership, trying to trying to shake off the things that – made him a little cross-eyed, a little hesitant last year, and to show the coaches, no, I'm going to take charge this time, and, and look at me, this is what I'm doing. We have a sound bite, a little piece of audio from one of his receivers that he's been really close to, and this is uh, Micah Simon. What was your reaction when you found out Tanner would be the starter? Uh, I was excited. Um, you know, if it, was, if it was him, if it was Zach, um, I knew we could win with both of those guys, and uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't matter who it was. We were going to have to rally behind him and be behind him. And uh, yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm ready to ready to get going this week. You know, it's finally game week. It's finally here. Um, it's been a long time coming. We go back to go back to January. We were doing up downs in the snow. Uh, <laughs> and you know, to now it's 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 been a it's been a long journey, but it's it's been great. What is it? Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Uh, what have you seen out of Tanner during fall camp? What what's kind of stood out about him to you? Um, you know. First, first off, just just coming back and fighting back from his injury. Um, you know, Achilles are, is never is never an easy thing to come back from, and uh, the way he took it and his positive mindset and positive attitude day in and day out was was great to see. You know, it. You know, guys guys seeing him being positive, going through what he what he was going through, just kind of made everybody have a positive attitude, and uh, that was great to see. And then, yeah, to change to change his body, um, pushing himself to to learn the playbook and to be. He's ready to go, you know, for for fall camp, being limited in spring with his reps in spring, and uh, all those things together combined just just showed, you know, his his willingness to 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 be a leader for us and to be, you know, a senior uh, a senior leader for us. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to to get to to get to catch passes from him when we're here. You know, it's interesting, uh, as you get on the Internet and you talk about things, and there's a certain kind of a mindset, I think, that exists on some of the message boards 
It's kind of a sky is falling. It's Masochism, kind of Masochism. Oh, no one does it as well as BYU fans. Uh, and, and they're they're in the it's thick of it. It's against the world. Everyone hates us. And they're in the thick of it. They've yeah. been in the thick of it ever since the middle of last season. It's almost like it's been a funeral procession that has not ended because there's been red lights in the highway. But uh, there, there was a, a guy that I, I think posted the following thing. This may be the least talented BYU team in 30 years, Jeff Call. What do you make of that? <laughs> well, he said maybe. Well, yeah. I think he used maybe. Maybe the there a little bit, but uh, I don't know. I to me, I just think that's what we're talking about. It's uh, you know going to the extreme here. I mean, I'm not going to say this BYU team is a great team, but uh, they've got talent out there, and they've got some. As you look at, it, I think they have some future NFL guys on this roster, and. It's a matter of them putting together, but uh, to say it's the worst in 30 years, I, I don't buy well, it. Well, we'll point out one position. You look at the tight end position, uh, you know, Dennis Pittle was a walk-on on this team. He didn't have any gobs of stars behind his name when he came out of Marietta, uh, California, Moore Park, I think was. Right. But, you know, he ended up being one of the best tight ends, an NFL product, and uh, I got the feeling that this team has some tight ends that will be playing on Sundays in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it or talked about this about every week that we've done this podcast is that um, Matt Bushman, uh, Dallin Holker. Dallin Holker's awesome. Moroni Laulupututau. I mean, they've got some guys on there that uh, can make plays. Now, of course, you wonder if Moroni can stay healthy. What his, uh, you know, We haven't really seen much of him. Hopefully he's a guy that can contribute. But if you have those three guys, I, I can see a scenario where all three of those guys are on the field at the same time. And trying to make plays that way causing mismatches on the field and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how that actually plays out brandon gurney you kind of come from this world of the internet where people are lurking and they speak of uh, things in an anonymous manner without their names and they make statements and they can make any kind of statement Uh, they want they can declare anything that they want. the hottest takes you'll ever want to hear and they're entertaining and they're good and a lot of them are intelligence and i'm not knocking on them because Mm -hmm. a lot of people on twitter and and things are very gifted but um I look at this offensive line. I see six foot five, six foot six guys that are three hundred pounds that seem to move pretty well. Um, they're bulked up. They're strong. They're being coached by some pretty good coaches. Um, is the talent level there the worst in thirty years? <laughs> well, my my first response is. Was this guy, did, did he just sleep through the 2003 season? I, I mean, that, there wasn't a lot of talent on that team, especially at the skill positions. You look at that receiving core and all that, led by Chris Hale. He was the guy leading them into, with all due respect, obviously. But um, I, I I don't know. It, it's, it's not a phenomenally talented team. There's not a lot of guys you can point to, especially at the skill positions. I think that's kind of where they're lacking, especially at the wideout position. There's not really that alpha guy, that Cody Hoff and that Austin Collie type. And I think that's what most fans gravitate toward. They're not looking at the D-line or the offense line. They're looking at the skill positions. They're, they're comparing guys to Jamal Williams. They're comparing guys to Dennis Pitt, like you just said. I think what's significant is that Matt Bushman isn't the stated starter at tight end. He's got oars around him. I I think Bushman's going to be good this year, but I think that just speaks more to the quality of depth behind him. Dallin Holker's been the the one of the best stories of fall camp. How many times has Kalani not been asked about him, responded when he was asked, just brought him up out of the blue? He's done that, I think, at least three times during during interviews this fall. I think that's significant. Well, I so. think you guys were all there when, uh, when, when Chad Lewis was in a hurry leaving the field. Yep. And, you know, you got to remember that uh, Matt Bushman is his son-in-law. But as he was leaving the field, he yelled back at the reporters, take a look and remember this number 
What yep. was it, 80, 80, 87, 86? Yeah, 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 I think 87. 87, I think. I think yeah. Remember this guy. You're going to see him on Sundays. And he was talking about Dallin Holker. Yeah. Yep. Well, big game coming up. Uh, we're going to break this down for you. Um, Khalil Tate, J.J. Taylor, a coach, Kevin Summerlin, that took Texas A&M to great heights, brought us Johnny Menzel, Johnny Football. Jeff Call, this is not an easy opener for BYU. No, this is could be a recipe for something very scary for BYU in this opener. I mean, to get a quarterback like that, as dynamic as he is, a guy that can make plays, who can extend plays uh, in a scheme – under Kevin Selman, like you said, that uh, you know Johnny Manziel kind of made famous. Uh, the big storyline in this game could be the BYU defense. How do they how do they respond? How do they deal with this guy who's so dynamic? And I think that uh, you know it's a tough it's a tough task. And I think Eliza Tuiaki, the defensive coordinator, and the rest of the staff they've been looking at film for a long time. They've had time to prepare, but when it comes right down to it, it's uh, I mean they basically have two new Outside linebackers, guys who've been in the program but are playing yep. kind of new new positions for the most part, and their responsibility is to contain Khalil Tate. It's going to be difficult. Now, last year Tate did not play against the University of Utah. He played, I think, in the next game against Colorado and just blew up. And he had four games where he really blew up. But then things kind of caught up with him a little bit. He had a great game against USC. So we know he, he's a very good, athletic, fast, powerful runner. He's shown that on tape. He's an adequate passer. They want to make him into a better passer. But what are we to make of him not having some very good games once people caught on to him? And he wasn't such a surprise, Brandon. Maybe it was just the quality of opponent and teams just knowing how to scheme better for him. And when you come back to to, to scheme – Say what you want about Broncoman and all. He knew how to defend these running quarterbacks. The, the gap discipline for BYU was very, very good in that 3-4 system. What they're doing with the 4-3, and Jeff brought this out, with the outside linebackers, it's an aggressive defense. And, and when you're, you're talking gap discipline from Shoney Takitaki and Zane Anderson, it kind of has to be developed it, it, over time. And with those guys starting out, that's a worry point. That, that To me, that that's a big worry. Uh, I mean, this Khalil Tate, from what I've seen, he's basically Taysom Hill 2.0. He, he's kind of the same athlete. And like the Louisville quarterback. Yeah, big worry. It's, it's a big, big worry uh, heading into that first game of the season where, where you're starting uh, two new outside linebackers, largely new safeties as well. And it's, it's going to be a tremendous thing to defend this guy. I'd feel a lot more comfortable with a Bronco Mendenhall coach defense rather than a defense that's still kind of developing into what they ultimately want to be, which is that high-pressure, man-press system, which I don't know is going to work very well against defending Khalil Tate, but we'll, we'll see how that works out. On the other hand, Jeff Call, Arizona's got to face an offense that they really know nothing about. They have no film of uh, the quarterbacks running this offense. They have no film of the tight ends. Um, that are going to be doing what they've been asked to do, or the receivers, and there's about three or four of them that have never been on BYU film before, including Dalen Colley. But uh, don't you think that BYU might be able to, and is capable of, throwing a few surprises their way? Oh, certainly, and I think uh, that's one of the reasons why we've been so limited in what we can see from practice. So I guarantee you they have a lot of things up their sleeve. Uh, I would be willing to bet that uh, Arizona staff has spent a lot of time looking at Utah's film when Eric Ro- Aaron Roderick was, was there at Utah, uh, LSU, obviously, Auburn. I think they've gone back and probably looked back at a ton of film from where Jeff Grimes, offensive coordinator, has been, Aaron Roderick at Utah, like I said. And that's basically all they can really go off of. And they can look at Tanner. 
Uh, they can look at Zach from high school, but uh, that's a lot of homework, and they've got to be kind of just guessing and wondering what they're actually going to see like the rest of us. Jeff Call, I had an opportunity to talk to the Cougar Quorum that meets down at the Sizzler in Orem, and some of you might have had that opportunity, but I was sitting there, and a guy across from me was talking about BYU possibly being given some sanctions as a university, as a basketball program for what happened with Nick Emery. And uh, he, he said this may not be very big. It could be a slap on the wrist or it could be something. But then uh, within a few hours, you were on campus listening to Tom Homo, and he actually brought this up to the audience. Could you break that down for us and anything else that Tom said? Yeah, so Tom basically, in these Education Week forums, he kind of opens up for Q&A, and uh, he says it's fair game. You can ask him whatever he wants. And some someone there asked him about the, the Nick Emery situation in terms of the sanctions, if it was going to affect not just Nick, but the entire program. And Tom said, yes, there's a possibility. He said with the next couple months, uh, this investigation is still going on with the next couple months, uh, something could come down. And again, like you said, we don't know. And he didn't let on to what it could be or what those sanctions could be. But uh, it was kind of an eye-opening moment for him to say that because uh, there's things apparently the NCAA is investigating that we don't know about or things that are kind of been kept under wraps and those are still going through that process, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Usually they might come at them, Brandon Gurney, as a situation where they lacked institutional control on knowing what he was doing, what he was, who, whose car he was driving, activities they were doing, and said, you guys should have known. What have we seen in the past from the NCA when they've handed out some kind of penalty or probations or something like that? It could be anything from just probation, hey, watch it, or it could be that they're going to lose something. I'm really surprised that it's still ongoing because I thought BYU was very forthcoming. I thought the the, the suspension was pretty harsh <laughs> when BYU's been so forthcoming. So I was kind of, I was really surprised to hear that, to be honest with you. And uh, it, it's really tough to know what the NCAA is going to do. It's they typically do the wrong thing, in my opinion. In a lot of instances, they don't do enough. But it seems in this case, and and again, I have no idea what they've uncovered and, and what more there is to it besides going to Harry Potter land and driving a, what is it, a Volkswagen Jetta? Is, it, <laughs> is that what they well, got? Yeah, you know, At least that's what we know, but generally what they've it's done, a scary thing. Generally what they've done is they've restricted the amount of recruiting uh, days that maybe you might be able to go out. They've maybe restricted how many coaches could go out. Uh, they could say that uh, X, Y, and Z cannot recruit off campus for a period of whatever and you know, things like that. Or they could say you're on probation. We're going to watch this very carefully. So we'll have to look for that. Brandon Gurney, recruiting. Yes. You've had an opportunity to see some high school football. Give us a breakdown on what you saw. And then BYU, again, it looks like, has got a commitment from a uh, basketball player that's within 20 minutes of their campus. Yeah, I, I, I think I talked about him last week, but Michael Daly's really, really good. For Lone Peak. He's a guy that's going to be overlooked because he's a total BYU guy. A lot of these guys are. And he's from Lone Peak. Double whammy, right? But he's good. I've seen him two weeks in a row now. He's a difference maker. He's a guy that gets the quarterback against two quality teams in Harriman and Sky Ridge. I, I think BYU's got a really good defensive end here. A guy that can rush the quarterback, which is something lacking in this program. With the basketball commits, it's interesting. You look at what BYU's recruited over the last three or four years, and they're needle movers. There's guys that are nationally talked about and all that. 
And and usually when I watch these kids, college players, they jump out at you. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm the best evaluator, but but I think it's pretty obvious when you see enough of a kid. I've watched enough. Frank Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> the most stark example ever. But uh, <laughs> but when BYU offers these kids, I mean, with all due respect to Casey Brown, who's a nice player, I, I have to think back. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that kid play. Oh, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, yeah he's a solid player. He's a nice player. But what's happening is BYU fans – Every year since Jimmer for Dad, it's been kind of the same year. It's been status quo. It's been what it is, you know. Uh, and you're playing in a conference where it's a one big conference, and and the one team is a top ten team in the program. How are you going to supersede that? And and BYU talks about how they want to be an NCAA tournament team, all that. They want to advance beyond that, and to do that, they're going to have to beat Gonzaga. As long as they're in the West Coast Conference, that's got to happen. Are these guys the guys that are going to get you there? That's it's kind of it makes you question it. I, I, a nice kid from Tempe, uh, a kid down the street from Pleasant Grove. Yeah, they're 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 fine. They're they're good players. But to me, that just screams out status quo. These guys are going to maintain status quo instead of move the program into a different direction. That's kind of hard to make that argument with this type of recruit. With all due respect to these both of them, because they are good, solid players. That Jeff, will do are great they, at BYU. is BYU playing it safe with these recruits, getting people that they know will be able to do the classwork, uh, toe the line with the honor code? not give them any any problem are they playing safe right now well you know we just talked about tom homo that q a one of the things that came up was the international players and what tom said was and this is talking about all sports not just basketball or just football but their number one priority and we know this but he emphasized that the number one priority is go after the best lds kids out there and that is that's where byu's Bread and butter is they've got to go after the LDS kids and get those and lock those down. If they're able to get all the best LDS kids, I mean, this program, you know, there's no limit to where they can do because we've seen so many of these guys excel and become great players at other schools. So that's the priority. So I think that's what BYU is trying to do is trying to lock down the best LDS kids they can and then, of course, uh, supplement that with other kids that aren't LDS but can live the standards and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's – kind of what we're looking at get focus on those guys and get them in campus now whether that's the right guys it's hard to know until they actually start playing okay it's protection time we're gonna we're gonna tell we're gonna ask you guys put your name on the line make a statement be bold yes be creative <laughs> oh this is fun stuff jeff Have a little bit of fun stuff. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna ask you a question you guys give me a prediction then i'll uh, give you mine we'll go to an- another category last year byu scored one of the worst totals in points in uh, in at least 40 years, and that was 222 points. That was about 17 points a game. What's your prediction for this year and how many points they'll score during the season and how much per game average? We'll go with you first, Jeff. I'm going to say uh, they'll, they'll average about 20 points a game. I, and I just kind of pulled that number out of the air, but uh, they will be better. Um, but you have to remember the schedule. I mean, they're playing Wisconsin and Washington uh, it's going to be tough. Um, that season opener, I, I went back and looked at the, the last five times BYU opened a season with a new coordinator, new offense, and they average, since 2005, 12 points a game in the opener. So based on that, I'm going to say, you know, I think they'll get kind of better during the year, but I'm, I'm going to say around 20 points a game. That's pretty conservative, but you're, you, you backed it up. You've explained why. And this schedule is tough. Brandon Gurney. I think they're going to be able to back in 
a lot of points to raise that average. So I'm going to go a little bit higher than Jeff. I'm going to go 23 to 24 points a game. I, I think this. I have a lot of confidence in this offensive staff. It's not a, a staff that's kind of learning on the go. I think they have a vision in mind. I think they're experienced. I think they're going to bring out a lot of production from this group that wasn't there last year. And I think – Initially, it might be a struggle, but I think by the end of the year, you're going to see a lot of points. You're going to see 30 or more points against these lesser opponents like you didn't see last year. You're going to see that against UMass and some of these other back-end teams that they scheduled, Hawaii and all that, where they're putting forth a point total that they should. So I think they're going to be able to raise that significantly during the last half of the season and average close to 25 points a game. I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic for that very same reason, but I think they're going to throttle a couple of these teams that they're supposed to win and they're expected to win. I think they're going to put up 40, 42, 45, yeah. maybe even 50 on some of them, while some of the others it's going to be a 16-point uh, production twelve if they're lucky, maybe nine, ten. Uh, you know, it, there'll be some. It'll be tough to go to Wisconsin. It'll be tough to go to Washington and say you're going to score thirty points. But I'm going to say twenty six points a game. Uh, what's the record in September, Jeff? Call. I'm going to go uh, two and three. Two and three out of oh, Jeff that Call. was my pick, Jeff. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, I'm. I'm going two and three. Uh, go the, the wins come exactly against who you think they will. <laughs> it's. I'll agree with they that. better at least. That two, Cal game's so big. Okay, upset. Are they going to have an upset this year? One of those 60-40 games that they're not expected to win. A lot of them are on the road. Tough to do that, Jeff, but it's been done before. We've been on the road where they've beaten um, you know, a team like uh, Michigan State. Uh, we've been on the road where they've beaten other teams that they weren't expected to do so, but they have. We've been up at Boise State where nobody ever wins. And and they've 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 come within a hair right at the goal line several times and a, a kicked field goal from upsetting the uh, the Broncos on their home field. But will there be an upset? And if so, who will it be? Well, if you look at uh, you know the Power Five conference games on the schedule, and we've already talked a little bit about Arizona, how tough that game's going to be. I think of the, those road games. I'm not talking about the Cal game. I'm talking about the road games to pull an upset. I think probably the best shot in upset in those games is probably Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I. It's hard to imagine BYU going to, to Madison or Seattle or Boise or even Salt Lake and pulling off a win uh, if you're realistic about it. So, but Arizona is a, you know they're not at that level of those teams. At least we don't think so. And so that would be something big for BYU if they could come out of the shoot and pull an upset down there in, in Tucson in the desert. That would be an amazing thing. I'm not predicting that, but I'm saying that's the best shot they've got, I think. Okay, Brandon Gurney. I think Jeff Call cheated and looked at my notes coming in because, because <laughs> oh. he, he or, or or I looked at his, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> but I agree it's Arizona. I, I, I think coming out I, I'm not predicting it will be an upset, but I think if you're gonna get a team I think BYU's done a really good job preparing so that they can hit the ground running. They've been very good in all yeah. And even last year, you look at the opening games, they weren't that bad. They were kind of in it to start the season. I think that's going to largely continue. I think they're going to be in this Arizona game. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I think I think it's a gettable game. And you look at the – there's just some impossible games. I mean, Wisconsin, Washington, really? Wow, that's tough. I think Boise State's really tough. I think Utah's going to be extremely tough. So just process of elimination. I think it's Arizona. I'm going to go on a limb, be bold. I'm going to say Boise State. They go up there and uh, get a close game, and they win it at the end. And uh, But Jeff Call, how many games will this BYU team win, including a, a bowl game, if they go to a bowl game? Well, no, let's, let's say regular, regular season. season. Let's say regular season. How many do they win? Well, this isn't exactly going out on a limb, but I'm going to say six. 
I think uh, I think BYU is going to win two games in September, two games in October, two games in November. Give them six games. Get them bowl eligible. They get that six win. They will go to a bowl game and have a chance to win seven. Brandon Gurney. I waffle between six and six and five and seven. I, I just look at the basis of what they're working with, and I think that's often ignored. You look at how bad BYU was last season. To turn it around that much to where they're bowl eligible, you're taking a 3-19 that really wasn't in. Those nine losses, they really weren't even close to turning it around. It was just a team that was very down, and just turning that around to be a bowl-eligible team. I can see anywhere from 5-7 and seven to 7-5. To seven and five. Beyond 7-5, and five, I think you're just uh, being unrealistic, to, to be honest with you. But, but, but yeah, I, again, I agree with Jeff Call. How boring is that? So, and I think largely everyone's going to agree that 6-6 six and six is kind of where this team's at and where the expectations should be. Yeah, I'm thinking anywhere from 5-6, to six, but I, I really think that this team will surprise people that the, the the adjustments that they made, the hires that they made, will make a difference. And I'll, I'm going to say seven with that upset at Boise State. Yeah, next time, can you go to me first so Jeff mirrors my answer <laughs> instead of me? Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> going, I'm going, I'll go to you first right now. Will Tanner be BYU's starting quarterback against Arizona? Of course he is, but will he be the starting quarterback at the very end of the season? This is such a tough question. Okay, you got to go can, first. Because in this day and age, can you, no, I'm just kidding. But um, I'm going to say no just because of the way college football has been going. And with what we've seen, it's really hard for a guy to stay that healthy throughout the year. And with Zach Wilson being as good as he is, I think it will be a very good sign of Tanner Mangum starting that final game. But to expect that, I kind of think we're going to see Zach Wilson at some time this year. I hope that's not the case because I'm I'm cheering for Tanner. I I I think he's a tremendous story. I think he could really help out. But with what I've seen and with what college football is and the quality of opponent to ask a starting quarterback to stay healthy throughout the year, it's going to be a tough task. And I think we're going to see Zach Wilson by the end of the year. I was looking for a yes or no answer, but that's good. Sorry, you, you were really good, Jeff. I could you, oh, can, you can go ahead. So I indicted myself. I could have just said yes and been done with it. <laughs> well, you oh, know, well. if you look at BYU during the Independence period. Um, last eight years, they've never gone through, other than 2013 with Taysom Hill, they haven't gone through a whole season with one quarterback. They've gone through two, sometimes three, and I think that's going to hold the form. I think we're going to see that again, either due to injury or ineffectiveness or something. I think we're going to see a couple different starters. Who knows, maybe three. Maybe they go down to the third string if uh, if things get tight and dicey. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes, it, I, I don't know. I don't think Tanner will be the starter in that last game. Most recently, I think it's been four and a half games. BYU's quarterback has been out mm-hmm. in the last few years. You've seen that with Riley Nelson. You've seen it all the way down. Uh, and, and for a lot of different reasons. They've, they've, they've been hit. They've, the offensive line has struggled at times to protect these guys. We've seen them take awful hits. Riley Nelson had a broken back and a broken rib, and he had to sit down. And uh, We've seen what happened to Taysom Hill four season-ending injuries. A lot of that was not anybody's fault but him just being aggressive, but four season-ending injuries for Taysom Hill, who now is really lighting things up in the NFL. Uh, Really quickly, let's get on with this. uh, Predict uh, score of this game. Arizona-BYU. Jeff? I'm going to say Arizona 27-BYU 14. Brandon? I think it's going to be high scoring. I think Arizona 35-BYU 27. Sounds about right to me. I've got it Arizona 34-BYU 28. Uh, If if Kalani wins just five games, four or five games, is his job in jeopardy, Jeff? I think it depends on how how the team looks. I mean, 
we talked about this last year they weren't competitive i mean there's so many games where that you just knew from the opening kickoff they had no shot and they just played that way if you can see incremental incremental progress if you can see this thing is going the right direction i think uh, i think they'll be be fine i think jeff grimes is trying to build something here and if you can point to success that they're moving the right direction offensively and things um, yeah, I, th- I think I think he can. Brandon Gurney. I think what's interesting is how BYU presented the program during media day. Um, we're in a rebuilding stage. Tom Holman came out and said that right out. And and I think viewing it in that light, I think Jeff Jeff's right on the money. Where they're going to be patient. They want to see people. I think the biggest factor is just keeping a clean program where, where these guys, you're not hearing about suspensions. You're not seeing a guy chewing out his RA on, on camera and all that. They hate that kind of stuff. And I think if they stay clean and all that and if they prove competitive, I, I think they're going to give Kalani a, a big rope. I'll agree with you. Also, he's got a couple of years on his contract. I don't see them buying that out if there's progress and they're competitive and they look like the program's moving forward. Um, they'll support him and give him what they have. They did that last December when they gave him money to replace uh, a lot of coaches and pay them more money, and they're still paying Ty Detmer until December. Um, The most anticipated, exciting aspect of this football team, Brandon Gurney, we're going to go to you first, but first of all, I'm going to cheat and go ahead of you. I think it's the tight ends. I think the use of the tight ends, the multi-use of the tight ends, the putting them in motion, Um, Dallin Hoker, a freshman, Uh, Matt Bushman being pushed by him, uh, the return of uh, Marone uh, uh, Lulupototau. I mean, what could be done? Bringing these offensive linemen to stack it like a Stanford type thing. I think the tight end and the use of the tight ends may be the most exciting thing that I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops. I'll go on the defensive side. I think the linebacking group has has the ability to be really good. I, I think Zane Anderson has a lot of upper mobility he can make where he can kind of mirror what we saw from Fred Warner. I, th- I think he has that type of athleticism. That's a lot to put on a kid just because Fred Warner was so good, but I think he can be a really good player. And I think Shoni Takitaki is flat out one of the most talented defensive players we've seen in this program for a long time. And I think with the right coaching and the right position, I think he can be a revelation at that other outside linebacker spot. And I think Butch Pau, if he just returns to the form he showed as a sophomore, big playmaker. That's going to be a big thing, and big I time. and I think he is, and maybe even improve upon that product. I think at the end of the year we can say this is one of the better linebacking core we've seen in BYU. I, I think this group has that talent. I agree. I I think Zane Anderson is going to be tremendous. Jeff Call. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go to the quarterback position again because to me it's really intriguing. I'm really intrigued to see how much Tanner has changed, how much he can adapt to this offense. And on the other side, uh, Zach Wilson, I mean, I don't know if I've seen uh, – I mean, BYU's had a lot of great quarterbacks, of course, but Zach Wilson, to be as young as he is and have as much poise and confidence as he has, I'm really curious to see. I mean, we're going to see him at some point this year because especially with this new redshirt rule where a guy can play four games and not lose any eligibility, we're going to see him at some point, obviously. And I'm just really uh, intrigued and uh, you know interested to see how he does – in a game situation at this level of competition. You've been listening to Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon along with Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. Appreciate you tuning in. We do have an email to throw out there if you'd like to ask us a question, uh, give us some criticism or whatever you feel like you need to do. We invite it. Just uh, send that email to cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. We'll be looking for it. Yours might be be chosen to, to read over the air and on our podcast next week. Also, subscribe to this podcast wherever you can find us. We appreciate you being with us on this podcast and we look forward to you joining us on our next episode.